and welcome to the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Casey. Last time we had Patricia from Old School Lane on the podcast. We looked at three emotionally compelling episodes of As Told by Ginger, and we had a great time with our first guest ever on the podcast. We also conducted our weekly Twitter poll from our account at FNN underscore podcast, where we asked if you would rather write a poem with Ginger, be a seal girl with Macy, or be an escape artist with Carl. The vote was the most split we've ever seen. Being a escape artist with Carl won 42% of the vote, while being a seal girl with Macy was just behind with 31%, and writing a poem with Ginger had the remaining 27 You know, I really thought seal girl was going to run away with this when we came up with this, when uh, Patricia actually suggested this uh, this Twitter poll. And I thought, well, they're all, they're all going to vote for seal girl, but they, they didn't. The people have spoken. Yeah, it was pretty close, honestly. It split between the three. I personally would definitely be the seal girl, but mm-hmm. hey, you know. We've got we've got a broad set of interests amongst our fan base, it seems. Totally, and we it uh, as long as it's not a repeat of the egregious uh, preschool days vote from like several months ago. You know what you're referring to, because I think Casey, I think if we've made a Twitter poll where they voted that preschool days should not have been canceled, that I would probably have just stopped making the podcast altogether. So, <laughs> you're right. You're right. We we went right from episode six to eight or whenever, whenever that happened. <laughs> oh, you guys have done much better since, so we appreciate it. This time we've got some Halloween themed episodes for you. We have our first ever discussion of the early '90s show Ah Real Monsters and two other great episodes from SpongeBob and the Angry Beavers. Thanks as always for tuning in. Now let's get started. Our first episode is from Ah Real Monsters. It's called The Switching Hour, and it's from Season 1, Episode 1, the very first episode of the show. And in this one, even though their teacher, Gromble, tells them not to, uh, Ickis, Crum, and Abelina go out on Halloween night, and they end up having to deal with the fact that they accidentally switch Ickis with a boy that has an Ickis costume. Yeah, so the setup for this episode is really fun. We have uh, we start with the humans, which I think is a smart way to introduce the show to people who, you know, are trying to figure out what it's all about. And the younger brother of the two sees Ickis in, like, the shadows, and Ickis runs away, and the older brother says it's just a rabbit. But seeing Ickis inspires the kid's Halloween costume, and then the, we follow the monsters back to their school, and that's how we start this show. Yeah, I honestly, um, I know that I watched some of the show somewhere in my childhood, but the this was probably one of the least watched of all of the Nicktoons for me, so I, I kind of enjoyed getting, you know, this glimpse in, and they do, they throw you in a bit, but it's not too much that you're confused, and I really, uh, I enjoyed their whole kind of, like, school normal life aspect to mm-hmm. the, the monster's life. I thought it was, it was a fun way to, I don't know, get some more insight into how they worked, and I, I kind of had this moment, and where they're talking about it and they're like talking about how much they're going to scare the kids and they're like I'm going to scare those kids so hard and it it just kind of reminded me of um 
Monsters, Inc. a little bit. The rest of this episode, and I think the series doesn't, but just the the interaction between monsters and the people where they're getting really riled up about how they're going to scare them and how there's like this school and they're all learning how to scare better. And it, it kind of brought in a little bit of that for me. Totally. I think if any of you are like animation or TV students, there's an interesting paper in there somewhere, a comparison between the two. Because there really, there really are some. You can tell that this sort of laid some of the groundwork, and I'm sure someone on the creative side of Monsters, Inc. had watched this show. So, yeah, I love, I love the style of humor in the show. It's pretty... It seems like the early 90s Nick shows have a kind of wackier sort of Looney Tunes quality to them where you know the the physical gags are underscored with like classical like whimsical classical music and the there's something about the style of voice acting and the animation that just is that Nick moves away from by the early 2000s and I love looking back on it because it's still very funny today yeah, and I don't want to get too, like, only 90s kids will understand, but, I mean, it, it is just a different style of humor, for better or for worse. It's, there's a different style, and you, you just get this kind of feeling, like, I am watching a 90s Nicktoon right now. <laughs> and, I, I don't know, there's just these these jokes that are, I'm trying to think, there was one where he says, like, oh, they won't hurt a hair on your head, and then, like, the follicles, like, they zoom in on the follicles on their head, and they're, like, all happy and like excited that they're not going to be hurt i don't know there's a lot of just these funny like quick and like kind of successive jokes that just like they're kind of hard to keep up with but in an enjoyable way totally and they're also way more adult and i don't even mean in content like yes it's a little grosser and queasier than most shows but it seems like the earlier shows took more risks in terms of like the cadence of the way they talked like uh Ickis is freaking out about something. It's, it's later in the episode, but the line is, he says, what if it rains and my ears fill up, fill up with water and I drown? It could happen. And <laughs> I don't know. There was something about, like, the cadence of that line that just felt kind of more adult-ish. And, they, and I feel like the whole script of the episode is like that. Yeah, and, and I agree. I think, too, um, a lot of times with, you know, when you're younger, you don't, follow as much of the dialogue and I feel like a lot of these jokes are pretty dialogue heavy mm-hmm. whereas in later shows it becomes a bit more of a bit more obvious I guess the jokes right. are um and again I'm not I'm not trying to insult the later Nicktoons I still love them but I, I just feel like there's a subtlety there kind of but then or at least yeah and on the other side of that same coin they have the sort of pandering to the kid demographic with these sort of over-the-top visual gags and sort of easy, silly jokes. So it's a good it's a good combination, similar to Rugrats, actually. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that for sure. It's, it's a different balance, but like I said, love it or hate it, it's, it's a distinct style of cartoon that I think just isn't being made so much anymore, at least not in the kids' demographic anymore. And I, I think it's, honestly, I, I don't know if as a kid I would have, loved this show so much I think it's kind of difficult to follow maybe for a kid and I feel like I just I didn't get too attached to it but as an adult now I 
pretty thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, I, I loved this. Yeah, I thought it was really quirky and fun. So we have our three sort of main characters, Ickis, Crum, and o Oglina. Ickis is the little sort of gremlin-y monster. Crum holds his eyeballs with his hands and has this horrible armpit hair that's just so disgusting. <laughs> and and then o Oglina, who's this like really tall sort of feminine monster, thin and tall. Yeah, and candy cane-like, but like black and white stripes. Right. So they're fun. They're, I'll bet their designers had a ton of fun coming up with all the monsters in the show because they're they're very unconventional and as far as monsters go. <laughs> and so the this three gang, the, this gang of three, the typical two boys and a girl, like the Harry Potter thing, they escape from from school to go out trick or treating on Halloween, and all the humans, you know, think they're just in really good costumes and. That, of course, leads to the classic mix-up where the kid who saw Ickis earlier in the show is dressed like him, and they sort of have a switcheroo happen where Ickis gets stuck with the humans. Yeah, and uh, I just want to throw out there real quick. I, I don't know if we thoroughly explained this. Their, their teacher says they can't go out on Halloween. It becomes somewhat relevant. They, mm -hmm. The teacher says, like, you can't go out, and if you do go out, then you have to choose between one of these three doors of punishment, which was something bad, something really bad, or you don't want to know. And we just see, like, these three doors. We have no clue what's behind them. Um, but they decide to go out anyways, you know. They're adventurous monsters, these three. And, uh... So, yeah, then there's, then there's a mix-up that happens. And I'm going to be honest, if I were this kid, I feel like I'd be a little bit more terrified than it seems that he was. He's definitely freaked out, but I feel like I would be, like, losing it. And he's, like I said, he's scared, but not as panicked as I feel like I would be. I don't know. If I was suddenly in, like, this this place, like, just with monsters all over the place, I would just, like, I don't even know. I feel like I'd have a mental breakdown. I'd just, like, sit there crying. I think he's just young enough where he's just sort of along for the ride and excited about it all. But there are moments, obviously, when he is in real danger and gets kind of freaked out. And I can't decide which side is more interesting in this episode, and that's what makes it a great episode. The Ickis side or the human side, because they're both of them experiencing each other's worlds has some great jokes, some great moments, like the older brother trying, trying to tear off Ickis's, you know, quote-unquote costume and obviously unsuccessfully doing that. It's, uh... And it's funny because they try to make the monster culture as polar opposite of human culture as they possibly can. And it, it's, it's kind of a fun conversation on our lives and how we live. Yeah, and, and there's also just the sort of, I guess, because Ickes ends up going to the normal kid's school and he just has this like disconnect. He just doesn't understand, I think, because I don't remember exactly why but i know he starts explaining like where he lives and he's just like oh yeah it's like disgusting there's like rats everywhere whatever and then he gets detention for it and there's just kind of like this clear like he just doesn't understand why what he's doing is wrong it doesn't really make sense to him he's just kind of explaining what life is and you kind of realize that there's there's a bit of a disconnect they don't the monsters don't fully understand the human world and vice versa but i i mean Supposedly, yeah, I would assume that the humans don't really know the monster world exists, but... 
it's saying it's kind of dark because Ickis keeps saying like, oh god, any more of this, I'm just gonna go flush myself down the toilet. And he starts to do it. <laughs> and luckily he gets rescued just in time, but he starts to flush himself down the toilet, and um, I just thought that was kind of strange. Okay, my interpretation of that was that it he would lived in the sewer? That it would take him back to the monster world. That's how I took it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking that's too, but then why wouldn't he do it immediately? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure on that. It's unclear. Ickes can also, oh, like, wait, he can also just grow to intimidate people. Think like Jake the dog in Adventure Time. Uh, well, that was out of nowhere. Really, when he's really worked up, you yeah. know? Like Jimmy like, in the End Men. <laughs> yes. Yes, very similar. <laughs> making fun of them, making fun of him, and they are, I guess not the kids, but, like, the crazy teens, the rambunctious crazy teens. They're not cool teens like us. No, no, these are the crazy teens, guys. These are those, those darn teenagers messing with everything, and they're making fun of it, and he just gets really, really mad, and he just, he just grows to, like, the size of the entire room. Kind of terrifying, and, I mean, they... They run away, you know, they're scared. I'm interested to see, because again, I haven't seen much of the show, kind of how that dynamic continues. If, like, more people find out about these monsters, if these teens continue, if they, like, continue to act like they don't exist because they're, like, too tough to admit it, or, like, what? I don't know, I'm just interested in, in kind of how this series unfolds and what other, I don't know, sort of crazy things might happen. I, I really just don't remember the show well at all. No, I don't think I've ever seen an entire episode of it, so this was revelatory. I really enjoyed it. I also love how all of the classic FNN inside jokes are coming up in this episode, so I hope the those of you who have actually listened to every episode are appreciating all the callbacks we're doing <laughs> to, uh, to uh, what was it, Rugrats preschool days and then cool teens. We just need to throw in a cynical scientist in there and we'll be all set. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've got any cynical scientist ones in this episode. I mean, it's obviously an unrealistic situation, but it's uh, not intended to be, so I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I always try to only be a cynical scientist when it's a... Uh, when it's like a pseudoscience moment. And oh, I don't yeah. think they're trying to make me believe this is science. <sighs> totally. It's it's made for Jimmy Neutron and uh, and Teenage Robot. I think that sums up this episode. This was great. I can't wait to watch more of this show. I say this with every new show we do, but I, I want to dive into it now. I want to watch all of it. So maybe we'll get there eventually. Always say it, definitely. But I think I just, I at least want to know where it goes a little bit more. And I feel like, some of these classic 90s ones have this this kind of a crazy tone, and I, I don't know how much it interests all of you guys listening compared to maybe the newer ones you're more, you know, familiar with, but I would, I would suggest checking out an episode or two. Maybe you'll be surprised, you know? Maybe you'll end up enjoying it, but I think, yeah, I think that about sums it up. Actually, I just really quickly want to throw out one last line that I thought was really funny. Um, when Icarus leaves for school... He's still with the humans. Uh, the mom says, like, oh, give me a kiss. I don't have cooties. And he responds with, you could borrow mine. I don't know why I thought that was funny. <laughs> I like that, too. It's that sort of, you know, monster-human misunderstanding we were talking about. Oh, and then, and then at the end, 
just to kind of resolve the, the story. They end up switching back, and the teacher finds out that they all left for Halloween. So this is they need to pick a door. They decide to go for door three, which is you don't want to know. And, like, as the door is opening, we hit credits. It's one of those those cliffhangers. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, quite a... Quite an ending. And the teacher also kind of, like, rewards them. He's like, you three are, like, the best kind of monsters because you just went out and did it and got scary on Halloween. It's, like, completely just not good teaching style, being dishonest in your, like, methods. But he the, the grumble says that he still has to punish them. So sort of a weird dichotomy there. Yeah, and again, we, we don't know. We never find out what what they're punished with but is it terrible i don't we don't know we don't know that the, the whole teaching style dynamic is weird yeah and like the class is weird and everything about it's quirky but yeah i think i think that's gonna sum everything up for real this time guys awesome when we come back we'll have an episode from spongebob Scaredy Pants, and it's from Season 1, Episode 13A. In this one, Spongebob is tired of always getting scared on Halloween and people calling him Scaredy Pants, so he decides to dress like the Flying Dutchman to get revenge. So this one, we, we start out, and it's... I don't know if they explicitly say it's Halloween, but it's Halloween, and Spongebob is just getting terrified super easily. Like, Squidward takes the, the order tags... And just writes boo out on them, like B on one O on the other O on the last one, and he uh, he just starts screaming, and he's <laughs> it's so he's, good. That's so clever. <laughs> he's really just he's just not, you know, the most prepared for these kinds of antics, and he's he is a scary pants. Not gonna lie, I know everybody has their scare limitations, but SpongeBob's are. Pretty particularly well. Yeah, this this is it's just vintage SpongeBob. What more can you say? It's clever. The animation isn't as good. The voice acting is a little less caricature y. I feel like season yeah. ones of shows, the characters aren't quite as like flanderized, I think they call it. Um, so it's a little more subdued, but the humor just really comes through through that. And yeah, we have, like, this great moment where Mr. Krabs decides to tell Spongebob a ghost story as he's heading out, and Spongebob's like, uh, no, no, I don't want to stay, I don't want to stay, and then, uh, fine, he keeps asking questions like, well, is there a ghost? <laughs> and, uh, Mr. Krabs tells the story, and he uses the, uh, he uses the, a hamburger, uh, a Krabby Patty, oh, oh my god, not a hamburger. <laughs> as a uh, as a metaphor and he says and it's about the flying dutchman right the story that he's telling yeah yeah he's talking about the flying dutchman and he's on his, his ship. ship yeah and he says the and he steals he, your souls like and holds up these pickles and spongebob says do souls look like pickles and he goes aye as a matter of fact they do yeah and he basically just says that the flying dutchman's going around stealing the souls and then uh squidward uh pulls out, or he, he comes out in a Flying Dutchman costume, and he has, like, a bag that says, like, souls on it or something. And he's like, I'm here for your pickles. <laughs> and he just 
SpongeBob just loses it. I love the moments we have when Squidward has fun, because there aren't many of them, and they're always great. Yeah, I think, honestly, um, in the earlier seasons, we see more of this sort of Squidward, Mr. Krabs camaraderie, right? Where they're kind of, like, joined up in, like, messing around with Spongebob. And you do see it sometimes in some later episodes, but I feel like it's, it's stronger in the earlier seasons. Totally. So, yeah, then Spongebob decides, you know, I... I want to be scary. Like, I'm always scared, and I just, I want to be scary. And he, he, um, is joined by Patrick, who Patrick opens up the door, and he has, like, one of those, those, uh, funky, like, glasses with the big nose and the, the mustache. There's a name for those. Like, Groucho Marx, uh. And, uh, Spongebob's terrified by that, which isn't even scary at all. (laughs) And... He decides that he wants to dress up like a ghost, because ghosts are super scary, like the Flying Dutchman, specifically. And he just kind of throws on a, I don't know, like a, sheet. like a sheet or something. And Patrick's like, oh, but you need something something else to go with it. He just, like, pulls a tree out of nowhere, saws it down, and makes these shoes. And I do not know where these wooden shoes come from, why they're in this at all. But he just gives Spongebob these wooden shoes, and he's like, yeah, now the costume's perfect. Like, what? Everything about that joke is amazing. The fact that he heads into Spongebob's closet, pulls out a full-size, like, pine tree, (laughs) saws it down, makes the shoes, which don't even make sense. They make Spongebob look even more ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, it's just amazing. It's not like like we were mentioned, like, it's not like they were, like, the Flying Dutchman had... I mean, the Flying Dutchman doesn't even have feet. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Just a classic. Uh, cla- and so they go out. They go out trying to scare people. And I have another line that just really stood out to me in this episode that just cracked me up. They uh, or they don't go out yet. Trick or treaters come to them, and they start laughing at him and call him the uh, the flying mattress, right? Yeah. And he goes, don't you want your candy? And they start leaving. They go, no, no, please. That was enough of a treat. Thank you. It's harsh, man. I that think it's our hashtag wrecked. Wrecked, yep. of this episode. That is. I was just saying that. That's amazing. <laughs> that was enough of a treat. Like kids turning down candy because they were so entertained. By how not scary he is. These are like presumably young children, I'm guessing. But they, you know... Spongebob and Patrick, they're a little confused as to why this totally terrifying uh, costume isn't working, and they realize, well, actually, so, uh, Patrick has, like, his hand covered in, like, a tissue, and he's like, look, my hand is the Flying Dutchman, and Spongebob's like, oh, Patrick, don't you see the difference between your ghost and me? And so he starts looking back and forth between the, the two, the, his hand and Spongebob, and he's like, don't tell me I can do this. Don't tell me. Don't tell me I can do this. I can do this. Okay, tell me. <laughs> so iconic. I don't it, know if anyone else it can. It has to be a very obvious difference. His is a circle, right? Like a circular top, and SpongeBob is a square. Patrick just could not handle it, but you know. And so, yeah, they they actually, their most sort of competent part of this whole scheme is they decide to go on the roof of the Krusty Krab and lower Spongebob in on a rope. And it's actually pretty scary. They get a nice shadow effect going on. He has these horrible, like, 
fingers going in different directions, and it's pretty scary, but he, uh, Patrick gets stung by a jellyfish who, right before stinging him, the stingers become, like, human hands rubbing together in anticipation, which is a great, you know, nice visual gag that we get there. And they sting Patrick, and he just starts squailing and running around, and therefore Spongebob, who's being lowered by Patrick into the Krusty Krab, is being flung around all over the place, and it's revealed that it's Spongebob. He's screaming in his high-pitched voice, and the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, and Patrick tries to cover it up with the, No, I'm not Spongebob. These are my street clothes. <laughs> Nailed it. They don't quite buy that one. And uh, the real Flying Dutchman actually comes to the Krusty Krab because he is so offended <laughs> by how bad Spongebob's costume is. And he starts, he kind of gets in like this heart-to-heart talk. He's like, I'm, spiders are scary. I'm scary. You? You're not scary. <laughs> yeah, he gets... Spongebob's pretty disappointed. He but... gets pretty real with him. And the... <laughs> uh, This is the first Flying Dutchman episode, who is, I think, just a fantastic secondary character on this show. And so Spongebob, at the very end, takes off the sheet, and everyone runs out screaming before we see the reveal that when Patrick shaved Spongebob to be round, his brain is now exposed, and the rest of his body looks like a horrible yellow brain stem, and his arms just kind of float, in his, you know, typical outfit, and it's... Yeah, they're not attached. It's really scary, actually. I remember it messing me up a little when I was a kid, and I had this VHS, the Halloween-themed episode, and I would watch it all the time, and I would look away at this part because it was so... Ugh, it's, like, pulsing a little bit. It's it's pretty rough. And Patrick... And we, we ended off with another beautiful Patrick moment that he's, like... I guess it was your pink hat. And Spongebob was like, what? Oh, no, this isn't a hat. This is my brain. And then Patrick just runs away screaming. <laughs> yeah, and he kind of pats it a little. And it, ugh, it's it's so good. This is such a great episode. On It's a classic. Uh, there are many episodes like this where Spongebob and Patrick are against the world in just complete delusion, not understanding how things work. And it's those episodes are always great. The I'm Ugly and I'm Proud episode, the uh, the Magic Box episode. It's just, there are so many. The moment when they think that they're, like, they're going to get caught by the cops, like they, they create all these problems for themselves. Yep. Yeah, free balloon day, exactly. Oh, man. Well, I think that's it for this episode. It's a great one. If you've never watched it, shame on you. Go find it right now. Yeah, for real. It's, it's not the spookiest, it's not the scariest, but it, it just has this great whimsy about it, and I love it. Totally. When we get back, we'll have some angry beavers in what I think is fair to say the funniest episode we've ever reviewed on the show. So look forward to that. Our next segment is on Angry Beavers. The episode is called The Day the World Got Really Screwed Up, and it's from Season 2, Episode 10. And in this one, an alien object lands behind the house of Norb's and Dag's favorite movie star, and they end up visiting his house while trick-or-treating, and we'll get into all the craziness that happens after that. 
So the important thing to know conceptually about this episode is it's very much a, like, generic horror movie spoof. There's no logic in any of it. It's extremely self-aware and campy and ridiculous, and it's just a beautiful train wreck of an episode. Oh, it's it's great. Uh, and the whole time there's, you know, we've got the beavers, and they've also got this completely separate style of animation of these pretty realistic-looking uh, animated, kind of like comic book style, would you say? Yes, yeah. Kind it, of character? It feels kind of like when you're in the Crimson Chain universe versus Timmy's normal world. Yeah, they they just kind of stumble upon into it, and everything is just over the top. These characters are completely one-dimensional, just like you said, just spoof characters of, you know, a bad horror movie, and it's... Uh, there's, there's so many... So many great things. And we have those. I haven't watched a ton of Angry Beavers, but this episode has still some of the classic Angry Beavers sort of staples, which include, you know, this conversational nature. It just feels if the episodes aren't improvised, then the scriptwriters are the best ever at writing naturalistic dialogue. They overlap, they cut each other off, they bicker. It's very much like Rick and Morty in that sense of you feel like they're just they're just going. The voice actors are just having a good time. Yeah, I, I like to believe that these voice actors are, like, best friends in real life. Me too. And that they're just, like, rolling with it. Like, if me and Casey were cartoon characters, oh God. this is what I hope our show would end up being. That's a fun, that'd be a fun concept. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Any animators out there want to animate me and Casey for an entire episode? Let us know. Yeah, please. We'll just, we'll just go off about <laughs> random, inane, ridiculous stuff. Whatever you want, really. The <laughs> So we have all, like Ashley said, we have all these tropes. We have the damsel in dis distress, the dashing hero, and... It's so like we said in the description. There's this alien object that lands behind their house, the house of this movie star, and that's about as far as things go logically. After that, it's all just completely ridiculous horror movie tropes. There's an alien, but it's unclear how the rules of this alien works and who is conjuring up this alien. Is it Dag and uh, Norb's imagination? Because that's thrown out as like. The truth for a while, but then it looks like he might have appeared regardless. It's so wonderfully, purposefully confusing. Yeah, and uh, we, just, we just have these moments where, like, you can tell these characters are just kind of uh, rolling with it. They're, you know, they, they're not questioning it. They live in this world, and in their world, in their minds, this is all making sense somehow. So you just kind of, you're along for the ride, and, oh god, there's, there's just some great Great dialogue. Um, there's this sort of scientific guy, I don't know, he's like a scientist, who he's talking about it, and he's like, we're in quite a pickle. And then they're like, what kind of a pickle are we in? And he's like, picture the largest gherkin you've ever seen, then magnify it 1,000 fold. <laughs> I don't know why, but that was just like... <sighs> I also love, I'm speaking the only language a monster understands, Doc. Fist talk. <laughs> <laughs> They're just over the top, and everything is everything is a big deal. Uh, mm. the, the scientist always goes along to him, and he's like, I have a quick, short film to show you guys that explains this all. Yes. It never really does. <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. And then, we, of course, we have this uh, damsel in distress type who, she, she, her ankle twists as they're running away from the alien. She goes, oh, my ankle. They pick her up and she's running again. Oh, my other ankle. Both my ankles. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't be able to get through this co coherently. It's just, it's so oh. funny. Pause the podcast and watch it right now if you haven't. It's really, it's really that good. It's it's something. It's it's one of a kind. And I, again, I, I do want to watch more of Angry Beavers. I'm not sure how much of it because it seems like both of the ones that we've watched are just so so like formula breaking, right? So out there, um, including the uh, unaired, never actually made one where they realize that they're in a cartoon. Like it just feels like a lot of these are just pushing the boundaries and really just playing with it. Totally. So this is, by some interpretations, you could say this is our first Angry Beavers episode on the show, because we used the unaired footage as a segment, but we've never really looked at the animation and looked at the show as it typically is, so consider this a debut as well, but of course we've already discussed the show. It's it, it just gets better and better as it goes on. All the sequences are great. The one-liners, another moment, and it would have been later <laughs> just like dramatically stating the obvious i just can't get enough of it and then there's just i think there's a lot of those very obvious things anything is possible if it happens <laughs> oh man but they like i said the characters are not they're not questioning it they're not saying these are jokes they say it's so straightforward and wonderful and Things, things just get out of hand, and somehow the military gets involved. And we, we shoot to this, like, real-life footage of, like, army men, like, getting in, like, planes and of just pretty unrelated things. I think there's, like, cowboys on horses and stuff. We just see, like, all these people who are apparently racing off to get rid of this alien. <laughs> and he says, like, shoot the little missile thingies and make it go away. This is, like, the army general, and he's like... It's not a drill. I would tell you if it was a drill, honestly. Yeah, it goes on, like, way too long. And the whole the whole sequence goes on way longer than it needs to and makes it even better. <laughs> it's, it's, like, real-life footage, right? Like, real people just, like, cut in here. Yep. There's then, also, I think this might have been before, but I'm remembering it now. There's the, the scientist man, the whatever he is, inventor guy. Doctor. He yeah. makes this. He makes this ray of some sort that's supposed to stop the alien. And we see the, like, main character, the hero, I guess. He He's, like, charging it up. He's getting ready to shoot it at the alien. He just throws it at him. <laughs> yeah, just blunt force right at his face. It's amazing. And then that's the whole purpose of it. It's not even like he misused it. That was the plan all along. It works. I also love near the yeah. end, they check in with that uh, damsel in distress and say, how do your ankles feel now? And she says, broken, but they're better. Great. One of the final moments within this actual story, if you can even call it one. Um, they're trying to like describe why this alien thing happened. And again, the main guy says, like, something bad happened. Then something really bad happened. And then the girl responds, well, that explains the alien's power. <laughs> the, 
That's my favorite line of the whole episode. <laughs> Completely nonsensical. <laughs> something bad happened. Something really bad happened. Ah, oh, that explains. <laughs> oh my god. And what? So I have a quote written down, but do you remember the context? And to think they did it without using their dramatic pause tongues. <laughs> what was that referencing? He's just talking about the aliens again. <laughs> Oh, ridiculous. And then, and then we go, Casey, you, you, you can talk about it, but the, the ending to this, the very end, is just... <sighs> it might be one of the funniest moments we've reviewed. It's, it might be the funniest. I think the only thing that might rival it is the dramatic fanfare in the Krusty Krab training video in terms of a singular moment. <laughs> but the, the narrator... Um, there's been a narrator all along, very loosely used as a uh, a framing device, and <laughs> he says, and so blah blah blah, everything went back to normal, the device worked, using blunt force, blah blah blah, but why did we need the beavers? <laughs> and he starts to deconstruct all of the ridiculous plot holes. This is a story so inane and convoluted that even I, the narrator, can't make sense of it. I read it time and time again, and he just goes on to explain how he doesn't understand what's going on. Did the beaver's imagination conjure everything up, or was it there in the first place? And man. He also goes on to, to just kind of, I don't know, he's just going on a rant here. He's like, okay, I didn't read it all. I skimmed it on the bus on my way here, but... There were no pictures. Who reads a book without pictures? Like, how are you I mean, supposed off, to read it without pictures? <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Man, this... I might, I kind of want to rewatch this now, even, because it's just so... It's so good. Honestly, if nothing else, just just listen to the end of it. If nothing else, you should just watch this one, guys. I, I know we say that about a lot of episodes, but this one's something special. I think... I think it's one that a lot of people probably haven't watched. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the shows that's a little bit less frequently viewed, but, oh, it is well worth the watch. And thank you, Patricia, for recommending this, because I don't think we ever would have found this. No, we. I probably would have gone with something more traditional, and I'm, I'm glad we had that with our SpongeBob, but this is... This is out there and wonderful. Completely wonderful. Yeah, we kind of covered all our bases with this episode. And there are lots of great Halloween episodes. So hopefully Halloween 2017, when we're on episode 70-something, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have yeah. some more for you. So stay tuned for that. I know you're all on the edge of your seat. <laughs> all right. Uh, coming up, we've got our Nick trivia again. And one of us maybe will take the lead. And by one of us, I mean me. Yeah, we'll see. It hasn't been going so well for you lately, has it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Alright guys, this is our Nick trivia segment. To anybody who's new and listening, we each ask each other one multiple-choice Nick-related question, and on Scout's Honor, we're not cheating, just based on our own knowledge. And we've been keeping track of who gets questions right? Right now, we're at a tie of five to five between me and Casey. Yeah, we last week we both failed to answer either of Patricia's questions, so let's see if we can uh, change things up a little this time. So, Ashley, my question for you is another visual-related one. You know how I love these, to see just how yeah, much we're paying I'm attention. Good. <laughs> and my question is, from the perspective of the viewer... What side of the Flying Dutchman's hat has a chunk taken out of it? 
and the options are A, the right, B, the left, C, both, or D, neither. I'm thinking about this. I feel like it's not going to be neither. I feel like that's too weird <laughs> like, <laughs> of a question for you to ask. Like, where would you come up with it? Unless somebody else has chunks taken out of their hat and you're like, I'm just going to go left. I'm feeling left today. <laughs> All right. Is that your final answer? Yeah, sure. That's correct. Well done. Correct! <laughs> It is the left side. I thought I'd get you what? after the after you couldn't get the Jenny, the teenage robot one. I thought maybe I'd catch you. I honestly didn't know, but I I felt like it wasn't both. So fifty fifty yeah. shot isn't too bad, right? Yeah, yeah, I suppose. So it was really a two multiple choice, but I figured why not throw both the classic both and neither on there. Yeah, honestly, I I. That was a tough one, but here we go, here we go. All right, I'm ready. All right, my question is, which of these Nicktoons, throughout its airing, did not have a Halloween episode? Was it A, Rocket Power, B, Cat Dog, C, My Life as a Teenage Robot, or D, Chalk Zone? Oh, man. Well, I feel like Chalk... And how, how strict are we with Halloween? It... it have to mention Halloween in it. Okay. I I can't promise that the show that doesn't doesn't have something close to it. Sure. But I can promise that the three that do are explicit Halloween episodes for sure. Interesting. And as far as I could tell, um, I like read through it to make sure. As far as I could tell, none of them in the show that doesn't were Halloween. If somebody wants to call me out on this, I will I will take it back and I will give Casey the point if this happens. But. I trust I you. I was just curious, because I feel like Chalk Zone would have one, but I don't know if they'd call it Halloween. I feel like it would be some cool Chalk World holiday. So I'm, But regardless, I'm going to rule out Chalk Zone, because I think there is one. I think there is a cat dog one. It just seems like an early 90s cartoon thing to do. Um, and, okay, so that leaves A and C, which were? Rocket Power and My Life as a Teenage Robot. Okay, well, Robot could, because they're teens, and it could be about that, and, like, maybe they're cool, too cool for trick-or-treating. There's also, I mean, Rocket Power, you've got the whole, they're cool kids in SoCal, and, like, the outdoorsy neighborhood life is so a part of their life. So I'm going to go with My Life's a Teenage Robot as the one that does not have a Halloween episode. Final answer? Yes. Correct! That is also correct. I guess we're stuck in a tie. That's funny. All right. But, I mean, yeah, um, like I said, I made sure it didn't seem like there was one, as far as I could tell. The other ones definitely did. And Chalk Zone, maybe when they went into Chalk Zone, it was called something different, but at the very least, Halloween was referenced. Yeah, I seem to remember that, where it's like Halloween in real life and in the Chalk world. It might have been. I, I didn't yeah. look too thoroughly in. But this also does bring up that, like you said, next year we have plenty of material to work with. It actually took me a long time to find a show that didn't have one. Right. So, good news for that. <laughs> All right, so we leave six to six. What an interesting round. We haven't had a both correct round in maybe ever, but definitely not in a long time. Not in a long time. It's been a back and forth for sure, but next week, next week I'll come back to get you. Don't worry. <laughs> 
Coming up, we have our fun fact, Twitter poll, and our preview for next week. Our fun fact this week is uh, real monsters related. There was actually at one point going to be a film that was going to be made in 1998, and it ended up being canceled for being too dark. Which I can't say I'm shocked about, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I would feel like, I mean, the episode we looked at, is it the darkest by any means of the shows we've looked into? But I could see for a full, like, length movie, things getting pretty out of hand. Totally. So our Twitter poll is a who wore it best this time around. And that Twitter poll can be found at FNN underscore podcast. Also check us out on Facebook facebook.com slash FNN podcast. Our Twitter poll this week is who wore it best? Sandy's goldfish costume, SpongeBob's flying Dutchman costume, or Patrick's Groucho Marx glasses? Let us know. I'm really curious for this week's result. And if you liked one of the other SpongeBob costumes more, go ahead and tweet that at us and we'll count that as a response. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of them in there or Honestly, if there's just any of the other episodes that you think were really stellar, but these are the ones that we thought were uh, most memorable for us, at least. Coming up next week, we'll have a World Series-related episode if Casey is still alive after the, uh, the situation. Casey, I don't know if you've mentioned it before, is a pretty diehard Cubs fan, so he's... He's hanging in there. Yeah, the series is tied one-to-one as of the taping. This episode will be released right before Game 3. It's going to be insane. So either I will be, I will have nothing to contribute and watching all these baseball episodes is going to kill me next week, or it's going to be about 80% of me screaming and 20% Ashley telling me to calm down. And that'll be the whole episode you have to look forward to. So maybe take a week off. <laughs> <laughs> No, it'll be great. There are some great baseball-related Nicktoon episodes, and there were actually more than we want. Like, we want to do all of them. There were so many. So maybe next yeah, year we'll have even more. There's, there's like, three or four maybe even specifically uh, Hey Arnold ones. Hey Arnold really likes this baseball. Right. We'll, we'll make it through. One way or another, Casey will hold back the tears of joy or sadness to get through the episode, guys. Alright, so that's that uh, wraps up this week. Thank you guys so much, as always, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.